Bada bing, bada boom. I'm Luca. I'm Richard. And I'm Sarah. And this is Goodfellas, the podcast where we talk about being a man, dating, gender, and sex through the lens of our favorite movies. listeners you're listening to goodfellas and today we're going to talk not so much about a movie but about a tv show and about a specific actor comedian well-known name that has sparked a lot of controversy over the past couple of years aziz ansari is the comedian and creator of uh, the show masters of none and in uh, the beginning of 2018 was embroiled in a huge discussion about me too. So I'm gonna hand things over to our white male cis co-host Richard to kind of introduce the whole issue because sexual assault is always framed as being an, a women's issue, but it's it's actually it's a women's issue. It's a men's issue. It's a it's an issue shared by all gender identifications. So sure. Richard. Hi. Um, well, I think maybe I'll start us off by just kind of reading a quick blurb just to get us all back up to speed about like what generally happened. We don't have to get necessarily into the specifics because I feel like there's a lot to talk through and we could potentially get lost in the minutia. Um, so back in January 2018, there was a woman identified by the pseudonym of Grace who was on a date with Ansari and said that he repeatedly missed or ignored her signals, that she didn't want to have sex with him during a date that ended back at his apartment. At one point, she had told Ansari, I don't want to feel forced because then I'll hate you and I'd rather not hate you. And then according to Grace, he then invited her to chill on the couch, but then pointed to his penis in motion for her to perform oral sex. And she ultimately left. And that uh, article came out on Babe.net by way of the writer uh, Katie Way. As Sarah, you were saying, kind of caused this whole controversy, which had a multitude of issues that came out. Um, one being that the question of whether or not what he did was sexual assault or misconduct whatsoever. Me Too, it just happened in November 2017, I believe. And so then the, it was called into question about whether or not it was undercutting the survivors of what had happened. Um, this whole notion about a spectrum of, you know, well, Me Too was applying to only the Weinsteins and that there are a lot of good guys out there that would say that this wasn't really sexual assault. Uh, So another issue that we can discuss, Um, but ultimately just, I guess, kind of outlined that this was just a multifaceted issue that involved a lot of things around communication, consent, power dynamics um, that I think we will try to get into potentially in two parts here because I feel like there's a lot to talk to. And on today's podcast, we've got a dear friend of mine, Krista Hunt, who is contract faculty at York University. Hi, Krista. Welcome to Goodfellas. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. So that's kind of the initial thing. And also just to kind of like reiterate basically what Master of None was about was kind of like based on his life in New York, uh, trying to figure out romance and was actually pretty progressive in a lot of ways I think uh, we'll even talk about it a little later but there was one episode called Ladies and Gentlemen where they talk specifically about feminism and the different experiences of people at bars um, and then he also came out with a book called Modern Romance which was an investigation into the evolution of dating and where it is now and I think Krista you read it yeah. I, I listened to the audio book I read it. 
you read it, so we can probably talk about that too as well. But I'm going to throw maybe to Luca first. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess if, for me, I, I, I'll say that when this originally happened, or I guess backtracking to the Me Too experience, which was just right before, right before that, um, I found that that was a really difficult time uh, I think for the world in many ways, or, or a good and difficult at the same time. Um, a lot of the conversations I was having were obviously with uh, trans men um, and some cisgender men as well. Um, the whole Me Too thing was, I think, very complex for trans men in way more ways than we can even uh, discuss in this moment. Um, but when this article came out, for me, you know, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, I was. Uh, I was really, really upset um, because I felt as though, I guess at that time, I was on the side of thinking that it was underplaying a little bit of it was of the Me Too situation um, and kind of it, taking an opportunity to discuss something which unfortunately happens to many many people um as just a part of living in the world as a human being and navigating dating um no one is perfect and a lot of things happen when i read that and even on the more subtleties the fact that they pseudonymed to her grace i felt like was a opportunity a, a subconscious opportunity to position her in a in a situation where she comes off very very well and um, taking a man of color into a situation I just, I personally didn't think he deserved. Obviously we can keep going on that conversation. That was my original thought reading it. And especially for me, I was in a time in my life where I was doing a lot of uh, dating, a lot of dating at the time, really trying to put myself out there. And I found myself in a lot of situations that I was incredibly uncomfortable with. Um, just before this article had come out, I was in a situation with a girl who um, I felt I could not leave the situation. She was forcing sex on me very, very intensely. Um, I told people in my life about it. Obviously, the trans men were cool with it, but I told cisgender women about it and um, just to see what they would say. And everyone kind of laughed about it and started being like, well, she doesn't hold, she didn't hold you down or anything. And like, no one took it seriously at all. And uh, I cried the whole way home just as that person stated and but men have no space to talk about those experiences either that which is a side note so when i read this about aziz um that was kind of my first impression i felt like there there's so much more to consider in this in terms of class race privilege opportunity they they even met at a golden kind of very fancy called golden globes possibly emmy situation um you know there's a lot of power in hollywood there's a lot of stuff going on and so um, I felt like it was opportunistic. Hmm. Krista, you actually brought up this as an opportunity to talk about this. Do you want to jump in in terms of... Please. Maybe we're talking about reactions to that article yeah. first. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I too thought when I started watching Masters of None on Netflix that it was very progressive. And I liked him as a comedian because he was dealing with explicitly political stuff and wasn't doing it in a like Louis C.K. kind of way. Um, yeah. <laughs> But um, for me, what has been really interesting is to talk, people's reactions to this. And like they span anywhere from he didn't really do anything, so this isn't such a big deal. And the whole, you know, there were miscommunications and clearly he didn't mean to, to do that. So again, it's like bringing up those um, rape myths and victim blaming uh, that 
regardless of the specific details of that situation, just kind of gets out into the atmosphere again and reinforces our own experience of sexual violence. And so I guess, yeah, it was interesting to see what conversations came up and, and the conversation about people feeling like they wanted to absolve themselves from any guilt or complicity in this. And it was just a matter of as an individual, as a consumer of, of media, do I have blood on my hands? I feel like, and it wasn't really a, a moral question in, in a sense or a political question. It was just a, like, can I get away with this? Like, is it okay if I wear moccasins? Do you know what I mean? That kind of mm -hmm. thing. And there wasn't a lot of kind of thought about... Like, am I allowed to watch Master of None? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like, right. can I still consume this given that there's this controversy mm -hmm. around it? Mm -hmm. um, that that was kind of the main connection that people had, or at least the people that I was talking to you about. Um, and I think that that conversation is kind of beside the point and really just an individual... Uh, like I said, being able to absolve yourself of any guilt around it. Totally. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of these questions, even, you know, uh, like a year and a half on, haven't really been settled. Like, what what happens when beloved, you know, media figures act badly? What happens when there's controversy around something that they do? They assault someone. There's old pictures of them that surface, um, you know, mistreating someone. Um, invading someone's space and then there's this debate that comes up about so-called cancel culture, cancel culture yeah. like you know do we have to cancel that person can we are, do, are we not allowed to consume any of their media as you said um, can we you know can we still listen to Michael Jackson music and these questions still are far from being from being settled and and then you know the question of consent the question of what some people call the gray area around consent is still something that people debate constantly mm -hmm. so you know and those are two really fertile areas um and a lot of the a lot of the backlash around this around the ansari case um seemed to me from from men who really wanted to know where they stood like what does this story say about me because this story is something that many many women could see themselves in like oh yeah i've been in that situation and many men could see themselves in like yeah i've, I've been there does that mean i'm a bad person does that mean i'm a rapist mm -hmm. and you know with these really really murky situations people have this deep need for certainty especially mm -hmm. people who you know are, don't have that much time to get into it they just want to know okay what are the rules now does this mean that i'm a rapist if i do this like does this mean you know, can you just tell me if I'm a good guy or not? Because I don't want to be a bad guy. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to feel judged. I don't want to feel shame. Because um, those are the emotions that this brings up. It's tough. Obviously, you can you can jump in if you want to. But, you know, it's when we specifically when it comes to uh, sexual interaction, the whole man woman dynamic is so complex um, that it overwhelms me. Like for a year, for the last like number of years, it's been so when I see stuff like that and they're putting so much, that's I think another reason why I was upset by the way that Aziz was being portrayed in that situation because I was like, this is so much more complicated than people understand, think it is. And then when you add on everything that was going on with me too and the political climate of where I think we were as gendered people, um, adding in on top of that, all of the, those, and I think that's why people thought, well, it's not the same as certain other 
very, let's say, super, super aggressive things or other things that have happened is because um, the this is a lot of people's experiences of just like dating in life. And, and as someone who's experienced um, being in a female-female situation and what you know, sexual relations and dating were like in that dynamic. Um, and then now being a heterosexual man and having to navigate sex and dating in that dynamic, I don't date, I don't hook up, I don't do any of it for years because it's like, I just can't, I can't even keep up and I, and there's so much, and it, I do have those same thoughts. I really do like for better or for worse, how do I be as a straight man? And how do I engage with people? Um, it got so complicated around this time that I just like pulled myself out for lack of a better term. Well phrased. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up your perspective on this, because I think it's totally true. There is a double standard around sexual assault, especially sexual coercion when it comes to to men and women. Women do coerce people into having sex. It does happen. And why don't we talk about it? And why don't we because talk about pain, it? Because it's pain. It's like uncomfortable to be in. And, and it's and it's something that no one really talks about. And uh, and it's yeah, it's just not part of the conversation. Like it should. I think we should have more equal conversations about how both people play in the roles of the situation. But when you even bring it up with people, the amount of people were like, "Wow, I've never thought about that before." Mm-hmm. Like for, I'll give you even one example, and I might have said this to you both before, but um, you know, it, I was so used to being female, and when you're, let's say, you're engaging in a sexual situation with a partner, if you didn't want it or something like that like if if the person doesn't want it and I was female it's fine for me to be upset about it or that was just I could be upset about it and I could be offended and I can be whatever and like Mm -hmm. get all whatever Mm -hmm. and um but as a man I'm basically you that that doesn't exist anymore and anything I'd feel and then adding on top of it all the body insecurities too like if a girl my partner didn't want to have sex yeah super I still felt all of that shame and ups, anger and upsetness, but if you act on it at all, you're just that guy who's basically a rapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a, I mean, just talking about coercion in general, so sexual coercion is, it's kind of named and considered a type of sexual assault, but basically a way to define it is that it's sexual assault where um, you know psychological or emotional or verbal means are used to push someone into being sexual in a way that they uh, do not want. Um, so this could mean guilting someone. Um, this could also just mean asking them repeatedly, like pushing, like not saying no or not accepting no, which is what we saw in the Aziz situation. Is you know him just kind of. Like, okay, I'm going to accept what she says now, but I'm going to, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm going to ask her again. Um, But uh, even, you know, one definition of it that I saw in the academic setting was um, expressing, like, unhappiness or anger that someone doesn't want to have sex with you. Like, that, in some situations, is a coercive thing because you're basically, um, you know, you're making it now that your partner's problem that you're upset. And your partner may, you know, want to fix the problem for you mm-hmm. by uh, by acquiescing by acquiescing. So it's super complicated. Um, however, this is also a type of sexual assault that very, very rarely gets in seen in a court of law or convicted. Mm-hmm. It just absolutely doesn't. It's it's hard enough to get convictions for uh, you know for for sexual assaults that involve violence and force, like compared with. 
um, assault that involves, you know, verbal and emotional coercion. And, but yeah, the, the Ansari example is a perfect example of coercion. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to just tie this a little, unless you want to jump in, Krista, no. just tie it back just because, I mean, our, our podcast is about films and just the ones that we've explored too is like when you see how we are taught to court to interact in sexual situations and stuff like that you know we are there's like stalker culture mm-hmm. you know there's like the woman puts up a fight and we continue to push every movie basically every, yeah, yeah right <laughs> and i think that uh i'm not trying to cut him any slack but i think it's an issue like societally like that it, like just much it's just a much larger uh understanding that things like the way this is we're taught in film and tv how to interact needs to change radically because that's when we've talked about it where then like blade runner back you know we talked about it a few episodes like Mm -hmm. seeing harrison ford force himself and like the connection the first time i saw like the first memory i had of like a breast and like when you're starting to see that as like the formative years of a boy and how to approach women um it's really problematic mm-hmm. and so uh a lot of it comes down to to like a perception of experience M- my experience of what happened is vastly different from yours and that's one thing that aziz talks about too is her experience he was not aware of it had he known all this kind of stuff um but hers was like she gave the signals she was very clear um, and I think that's also too what's come up in these conversations is like this notion of experience. Mm-hmm. So I just want to jump in with one clip from Master of None that kind of talks about um, what happened. So I'm just going to give context quickly is that Aziz is at a bar with his girlfriend and her friend, or they're all friends, and then a couple guys and the director from the commercial aid just, just comes up and introduces himself to all the men around the table, mm. but not to the women. And this is the kind of the conversation right after that I think is just food for thought. So uh, I was thinking about the whole Brad Honeycutt situation and um, there's a chance that what he did may have been a little sexist. Great, cool apology. Look, I'm just saying I'm sorry I defended Brad Honeycutt. Can you at least give me that I'm not some sort of sexist monster for thinking that maybe he wasn't motivated by a crazy sexist agenda? when he didn't introduce himself to you guys? I'm not saying that you're a sexist monster. I just think it's weird that your first instinct is to act like I'm crazy and defend Brad Honeycutt instead of just believing me. Well, I guess in my head, I'd like to think someone isn't so awful that they wouldn't introduce themselves to someone just because they're a woman. And what I'm saying is that there are a lot of subtle little things that happen to me and all women, even in our little progressive world. And when somebody, especially my boyfriend, tells me that I'm wrong without having any way of knowing my personal experience, it's insulting. Okay, I get that. Well, I mean, I guess there's no way I'll ever really know what it's like to be in your shoes, so I'll try to do a better job of listening, all right? Can we call it a draw? came to an understanding after a thoughtful discussion. I won! Yeah. So I'm just throwing that in the mix. Oh, yes. I mean, just again, is just about experience and like mm-hmm. uh, how people feel about this defense in a way that a lot of guys are saying, well, I didn't know that. That wasn't my experience. 
mm-hmm. how sh- how could I have picked up on that? Uh, how, why didn't she tell me in the moment? Those mm-hmm. kind of things, right? That I think has also been kind of lobbed into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, an amazing conversation to have that just, even not just men and women, but two different people can have radically different experience of the, of the same event. Um, and, you know, and the, the greater understanding that we're starting to have around the fact that, okay, there might be reasons why someone, you know, usually a woman might not like push back or say no or really assert herself in the moment of the transgression because she's in a freeze response because she's afraid for her safety because she doesn't want to hurt the guy's feelings women are often raised to be nice and think about other people's feelings and don't and they know that it's almost like even speaking from personal experience you know that as soon as you say no all of a sudden you've like completely ruined the mood and the, and even the friend this the chance of having a friendship with that person because now they've become the bad guy and you've made them the bad guy by saying no and now we've completely changed the tenor of this date that we're on like there's no way of coming back from that and continuing the date so it's, no you're it's, yeah it's 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 over basically but even even i in the in the reverse situation like being the guy who felt very uncomfortable i asked myself well why didn't i leave but honestly it's yeah for all those exact same reasons it was Mm -hmm. super uncomfortable i didn't want it to be and then you almost i mean at least for me i started to think about like you know maybe i should just do this because you know maybe who knows the next time someone's going to want to hook up with you and like all of that self-doubt starts to come into your mind and like maybe i'm being too picky you know, maybe like, yeah, you just start, I was like spinning out for like a while in that situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it happens. You totally, when people start, it just gave, gave me a new perspective on why people don't do certain things, even if they're uncomfortable. Yeah. And coercion, you know, exactly is, is experienced completely differently by men who are dating women, even women who are dating women, because, you know, you uh, might like, you know, there's more of a narrative for men around if you don't do the yes. deed then you're not a real man. Oh yeah. That was in my, which doesn't exist. And if I was a biological man, it would have gone all the way, no matter how terrible I felt, no matter how uncomfortable I felt like I would have, it would have gone there. The only reason Mm. it didn't go there was because I could fall back on, well, you know, it, it takes a lot for, I think trans people to have sex in general. So I could just be like, well, you know, I'm just not comfortable with my body or whatever. But yeah, if, if that wasn't the case and that was happening to me, it would have happened for sure. And I think that that's because, you know, uh, again, even on the very subtleties, if we're talking about, um, those double standards, one of the ones that's been most noticeable to me over the last 10 years is let's say you're in bed with your partner or something and the girl wants to hook up and, you as the man is like, oh, you know, I'm kind of tired or even like I feel sick. Like I, I just like I don't feel good. Every girl I've ever been with, their response is, oh, yeah. Then they start touching your chest. They start. Does this feel better? They start getting on top of you. And all of a sudden, yeah, I'm down. Like I am down. And and I, the thing is, is that most guys, they're not thinking about it like that. But if that was reverse, we don't have a reverse culture of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you can have a physical response without that's right, still being and then injured. you just start thinking. Then all that subconsciousness cooks in, right? Like mm-hmm. I, a lot of men don't have the narrative of being men and women like I do. So mm-hmm. I, in, I could only imagine you don't even have the, you're not even having these conversations in your own head. Mm-hmm. You just the subconscious of like men have sex with women. That's what they do. Yeah, I think the that clip 
um, reflects this kind of when you are the person who interrupts um, for whatever reason, it's kind of like you're overreacting, you're making a big deal of this. Come on, we're just like, you know, I'm a good guy. And yeah. as he said at the end, like, okay, so we're good, right? Let's draw, let's like move on. This was yeah. a discreet conversation that doesn't have yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but I guess when people talk about, I flip back and forth between, yes, there's a lot of gray areas and then feeling like there can't be a lot of gray areas. Mm -hmm. Like how do we, and as an educator too, like, you know, I know, you know, from your, or I know from my own personal experience that in a sexual interaction, it doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't necessarily go down as Sarah, can I kiss you? Then Sarah, can I touch you here? Then Sarah, can, you know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't happen that verbally necessarily, mm -hmm. but then how do you tell people in the interest of preventing sexual assault? If mm -hmm. we base this on the idea that sexual assault happens because people, there was a misunderstanding, the communication wasn't whatever. And I'm not so sure that that's always what the deal is. There's interesting studies done on the miscommunication. On the miscommunication. Basis. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you, how do you make it clearer because we need there to be clarity and at the same time, how do you do that when it isn't clear? So I'm just, you know, that whole idea of blurry lines, then it, if, if say young straight men are asking us, how do I avoid this situation? Mm -hmm. They're asking for a very like, this is what you need to do in order to avoid hurting yeah. someone. I don't have, yeah, it's a hard answer. It's a really hard answer, especially I think if, men approach the issue is going to be a one-size-fits-all like mm -hmm. that basically just give me the rules that I need to follow just tell me what to say tell me what to do tell me what not to do do I need to always ask for consent at every step can it be nonverbal because they, uh, there's a whole level of nonverbal consent and nonverbal communication that people use and often if you look at enthusiastic consent laws and yes means yes laws that are more and more on the books you know in the state of california i mean um nonverbal cues and nonverbal communication is not is not you know it's a part of the conversation it's understood like that people aren't going to always verbalize mm -hmm. but even still sometimes in that i went on a date with a girl a couple of years ago we were vibing so hard like the you know the it was there we were like holding hands like i walked her home and everything i kissed her at the end and in a very nice way she was like you know next time we kiss can you ask first and like i was like i guess but i mean we didn't go out again i i it did kind of piss me off to be honest i was just like i said totally fine and and whatever but the whole time like i was getting nonverbal cues like that it was good mm -hmm. and i just kind of felt like i don't know if i want to engage in something that's going to be this complicated well that's a really interesting point like i'm so i'm interested that you brought up your reaction to that because often Nonverbal cues are really good, but sometimes you can be conditioned into acting like giving good body language and good body signals because you just kind of like you're this is what you're supposed to do when you're on a date and then you know and then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, I hold on. This is well, she asked me in after too. It was kind of like it felt like just the political agenda was like you have to ask consent for the kiss. 
But it was like right up there in my face, all lovey-dovey, come in. I was the one who was like, I'm going to go home. And she was like, oh, you're going to leave? Like, I want you to come in. I was like, this is just going to be too much for me. Mm. That was my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess like my like food for thought that I would offer would be like, maybe she was offering you a way to flirt that she enjoyed. That's that's kind of how it felt, actually. So a good point. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, the rules say that now I have to make you ask for consent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so complicated. Isn't I know it, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, We're not going to have answers by the end of this. No, honestly, like, even most of the guys that I know in my life right now are almost all abstinent um, by choice. And because not only are they doing things that they really are passionate about, like their work and everything like that, but um, I guess like, I'm talking about the under 30 crowd, is um, there's just, I think people got really freaked out by a lot of the stuff that was going on. And... Um, it's just been very interesting to see that I almost have all male friends and no one talks about sex. No one's even having it, really. I mean, people are having it, but clear, I know that they are, but at least in my circle, sex is not something people are pursuing or actively engaging in. That's really, it's, yeah. Richard, you... Do you mind if I chime in there? As the, the white heterosis man here, I just feel like that's a bit of, like, victim mentality. I'm sure. That yeah. men... Of privilege love to play like this whole notion is like now I don't know what the what the playing field is like or the rules well educate yourself there's plenty of resources online just to get a better understanding talk with people like to, to go oh well I'm not a wineskin so I'm a good guy and now it's like oh well shit Z's did this so now I can't do any of this it just seems like a bit of a cop-out mm-hmm. you know it's like okay Acknowledge then that maybe your understanding of how to interact with people was one way and things have changed. You're just much more aware now of actually how to better interact and communicate and take that as a lesson to learn and to talk and to engage with people in a different way as opposed to saying, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to be celibate now for the rest of my life because... If I, if I do anything, I'm going to get in trouble. And that's not at all what this conversation is about. It's really just about now understanding boundaries, bet, like better check-ins. I was always kind of, in the, more in the last, I think it's like four years, I was always doing a much better check-in. I'm like, can I kiss you? And before that, not really, because that wasn't really within the circles. And that was just, you don't ask to kiss. Yeah. But I think I've just, I've, um, because of all the, so the spaces that I'm within, that I think kind of are a little bit more radically left-leaning in terms of around sexual politics and stuff like that, there is just more conversation to be had. And there's it actually takes a lot of the edge off um, because you have a better understanding of where someone's coming from. And not that I'm going to go through and negotiate, hey, Luca, can I kiss you? Can I touch your shoulder? You know, all those kind of things. But more just like, hey, up front, like, I'm interested in you. I'd love to do X and then, like, have a check-in and seeing where that's like. Like, you're not... I think that there's also this like romantic notion within films again going back to it is that like consent is not sexy. Mm-hmm. It's that like to ask someone if I can kiss yeah, them yeah. is like a boner killer. It means you're right. mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like the opposite actually. The reactions that I've been getting even my partner now, we had a conversation at one point like I had this urge to just like go up and kiss her. And I told her that, but I was like but I I asked her straight up and she said, "Honestly, if you had just kissed me, it probably would have changed our dynamics. Um, and the fact that you did ask me, A, it was a big turn on, and B, 
just made us aware of where we were on the same page because she was actually leaving the event that we were at so um now we have an amazing relationship and i feel like and we do have like a lot of check-ins around everything but sex for sure and i think that i've actually just like really valued those check-ins because i've been able to be clear and about my boundaries and what i'm interested in what i like and when i'm in the mood or not because i think there's also something in relationships oftentimes there's like just this blanket understanding that well we're in a relationship now so sex should be available to me anytime and that's not the case we are people that are moody and sometimes feel sexy and don't feel sexy and there should never be that assumption that just because i'm reading your body language um we can just jump right into it and i think that from what i learned in my experiences i would just try to encourage other men other people just generally to take it slow like i'm not saying you have to like ask every single person but like start talking with your friends about even like even as a big white man my partner brought up when i first met one of her best friends i just like i'm, I'm a hugger i think there needs to be more hugs in the world and she gave me a hug and the thing she brought up too is like something you just need to be aware of look at your size and, and like who you are and the privilege that you walk around you know maybe when you check in about like can we hug don't start off by having your arms open because again right. similar situation of like mm-hmm. oh i don't want to ruin this and make this awkward so i will hug and i've just been much more cognizant of that and appreciative of that um, and it's actually made me much more uh, aware of how quickly people go to hug because I'll be like, hey, can I hug? And they're, always, they're already like, yeah, within the circles that I, I sit in and just have been just appreciative of having those conversations. Just, yeah, just to rebut that, not to rebut, but to respond to it really quick. Um, just, yeah, just to clarify, I think that people, it's... N- I think the main reason that I don't see a lot of like hookup and sex culture in the under 30s maybe as much as maybe at the people around there a lot of people are very career based right now I find so that's mainly I think a what it is and not so much that they would have liked to act in a bad way and now they feel like they can't it's more that um, there just seems to be a lot to keep up on in certain ways and so then when you're also doing work and you're also have your own career it's like it just becomes seems like one extra added thing that's difficult to negotiate and navigate and yeah I would love for there to be more conversations and like you're in a lucky situation where you're with someone that is maybe with time or with all these things you can have these kinds of conversations but um I find that uh it's not as readily available, at least to me, mm-hmm. and like especially in LGBT world where um, I came from, like the lesbian world in sense, and it's like girl on girl is a whole other situation, and so like you're basically anything goes, sex very quickly. Normally, you're very engaged very quickly, and so that's one reason I find dating complicated. Like you know, I, I even have a date later, and that's intimidating to me because I don't, I I I don't know where it's. You know, anyway, it's just it's just a little bit intimidating for those reasons. But just I wanted to clarify that that I don't think it's because people want to be acting badly. Um, yeah, they just there's so many rules that they're navigating, and rules in a good way and a bad way. And also, um, my last point to that is that usually the people who are in my particular situation who are gonna engage with me sexually are like from LGBT space, I guess, and in some ways or straight space, but whatever the case may be. And uh, there's a lot of um, I get a lot of pushback before they know I'm trans or I have to always tell people I'm trans or else they're the interest is basically zero So that's something I also have to navigate to is is 
I'm usually out or doing something and people are like, I don't, I've been told I don't talk to men in my mm-hmm. circles. I don't, don't talk, don't look at me. Mm-hmm. And that has, you know, made, it's just added another layer of transition in what, the period we're in right now. Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. And like my only, my, my only response to that, I mean, I have a lot of, of thoughts on that, but like, I think one person raised once, you know, when this conversation was at its height is that it's almost like men are starting to experience the level of complexity in dating 100%. that, that um, female people have 100%. always experienced. Yeah. That like, you know, people who identify as women and girls have always seen dating as this like thing that they have to kind of figure out yeah. and there are rules that they are told to follow, whether it was back in the day and you couldn't show your ankles or legs. And like now it's like you have to be sexy. Like there are always rules that you had to follow. And almost now it's like those it's like more people are being told that sex is not an easy breezy thing that it used to be for you know it's like men may have had like cis men may have had the privilege to view dating as an easy breezy thing that you just like went into and like if the girl doesn't say no it's cool like you can play ball um you know uh which i've heard from like men who are especially older like more in their 40s like yeah when i was dating in college the rule was just like if the girl didn't say no at any point that it was like you you were good um whereas now it's like there are more rules so there's an adjustment period to that and maybe a sense of like pushing of of resistance absolutely i think too around these conversations um there needs to be um an acknowledgement of you know, am, if I do this, am I a rapist? Versus if I, I want to make sure I'm not sexually assaulting someone. Um, and how, where do we start talking about behavior rather than this is you as a person? And I think that that gets into another conversation that I don't feel like this is my life's work to, to get into, but I think it's very interesting is what happens to these guys after? Like, and I wouldn't even talk about it as rehabilitation as much as like education or, or in some ways, like, I guess it is in some ways reintegration, but how, how do we do, are these just like lost guys that are bad guys and nothing's ever going to change? And if that's the case, then there are going to be a whole bunch of other people that are going to go hands off this because I don't want to be a bad guy. It also means similar to like conversations about racism that, that, are and aren't happening especially in like in the united states is nobody nobody wants to be a racist and yet they'll say racist things they'll vote for racist politicians they'll advocate you know locking kids up at the border but if you call them a racist they're just like in disbelief right so how do we get beyond like you're a you're a rapist Mm -hmm. to have conversations that that don't and i feel weird talking about that as a survivor myself but what do we do about that? Like what, mm-hmm. you know, we just lock people up and throw them in jail means that we aren't as a society taking responsibility for the fact that this isn't about give me rules for dating. From my perspective, this is like a generational thing of teaching people that are women identified that you can say no and this is how you do it or that you can, however you want to be sexually. And that we talk about the fact that men are being sexually assaulted, boys are being sexually assaulted and that's something that's off the table. But how do we how do we make changes and one thing i would say like when people talk to me about what do i do around this it's how do we start talking to kids about like i just don't take your water glass and have a sip right like all of those kinds of ways that you respect people that that those are the conversations 
it's not as simple as like these are the rules for engaging in even in like sex. at an early age the fact that tickling like breaks all the consent rules <laughs> when you think about it, it too does. it's like really when like as kids the first time we really remember is like someone coming up and tickling us and like Tickle i say no not stop and you're like no stop seriously this isn't comfortable and they continue because right? you're laughing people won't take it yeah. 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 but it's yeah. like it's i totally agree you know it's it's such a large issue or saying um, to your kid like go go and give richard a hug he's leaving now well you know yeah. to force people to do things without their consent mm-hmm. because they're children and i would love to talk more about the um what happens after part of it that that you just brought up like you know how do we um, deal with people who have transgressed especially if they are figures in the media should we quote unquote cancel them should we not watch their shows um, you know, but we may have to leave that for another episode. That'll be part two. That'd be great. Yeah, no, that was great. Really good chats with everybody and really appreciate everyone's perspective. But I think also recognizing too, just like it is this massive like spectrum of conversations that need to be had that we're all still trying to figure out together, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best, honestly, like takeaway that I personally got from the Unsorry debate was if we move past the really difficult question of like, is this sexual assault? Isn't it sexual assault? If we just talk about, you know, maybe this is actually just a conversation of how to have better sex. Like, can we set the bar higher than just like not sexually assaulting someone? Mm. Like, what if we just demand better sex and better communication from our from our lives? It right? happens, then it just happens less often. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, in, in the sense and then people just have to be okay with that. Because the truth is, finding someone you actually have a connection with and that you actually want to have sex with, like, when I was younger, I felt like it was around all the time. Mm-hmm. And now, in my, you know, in, in from all of my late 20s, even now, you know, into my 30s, it's like, I feel like the it's rare, it's just getting rarer and rarer and rarer. And I don't know if that's part of life or, or what, but it's been interesting. Question mm-hmm. for part two, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. That's a wrap. <laughs>